0: About, um, we're going to dive into the inspiring words of Paul as he wrote to the Corinthians about the grace of giving. Um, our passage in Second Corinthians, chapter 9, verse 6 to 8, reminds us of the boundless blessings that come from a heart of cheerful generosity. Uh, as we explore these verses together this morning, we'll discover how we can cultivate a Christ centered perspective on giving in alignment with the mission and the vision of our local assembly now uh, let me see those hands of the people who who are happy to 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 hear that I'm preaching about giving this morning (laughs) it took you a while but we are glad we are here hallelujah so 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 I need to make this disclosure that that you know, uh, the, the finance report that, uh, well, let me start here, that I don't know in our church who gives, who's faithful in tithes and offering. So this, this sermon doesn't come from a place where I've seen names on my desk where this one and this one has not been paying tithes. So now I feel like I have to preach on giving. I, I don't know who gives and who does not give i i I don't have access to that information um also uh you you saw when the treasurer gave feedback i have a little more detail into into the 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 financials um but there's not a it's not a reason for me to preach about that we we want to preach the whole gospel and so uh, 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 a great part of the whole gospel is also stewardship of our finances and uh, as you will remember at the beginning of the year as well that we 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 said there's two things that i'll preach more about during this year one is fasting and praying and the other one will be finances in terms of giving etc so for those of you who have been journeying with us for a very long time you know we don't preach a lot about finances we don't take up seven offerings one is uh, you know pastor is on his way to church so we must take up an offering pastor is about to preach so we must take up another offering pastor's mother's birthday is next week so we must take up another offering Uh, pastor is traveling soon so we must take up another we don't do that um, at this assembly we want believers to be mature in christ and part of being mature in christ is also to be mature in our giving in the local church hence why we teach on giving it will never be in a place to manipulate anyone or to make anyone feel bad to give um, should should that be the case, then then we are busy with heresy, contradicting what God's Word says. But we believe in giving, and we want our church members to be blessed, but also to be mature in their giving, whether it's to this local church or to other things. That we that's why we teach on that and we preach on that. So that's our our agenda with regards to preaching. Hallelujah. Now, if you have your Bibles here this morning. Won't you uh, click, swipe, or turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 9. Hallelujah. Paul says, Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, or reluctantly or under compulsion for god loves a cheerful giver and god is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times having all that you need you will abound in abound in every good work as it is written they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor their righteousness endures forever may god bless his word and write it on the tables of our hearts this morning hallelujah now now we, we will look this morning at a, at, a, at a christ-centered perspective on giving and I 'm going to preach a bit more on this in the future coming coming in the future now there's out of this passage there Paul gives us an idea which we will explore this morning of what a christ-centered perspective on giving looks like so number one a christ-centered perspective on giving looks like this we sow. With purpose, you will see the slide. We sow with purpose. He says in verse nine, he says, "Remember this, that whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously." Now, Paul's words resonates deeply with our church's mission, and that is to plant a church in every household in Madran. So so, 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 so so that's the reason. That's the purpose behind our giving, behind our sowing. Just as a farmer carefully prepares the soil and sows the seed with the intention of having a harvest, our giving should be intentional and purposeful when we sow. Are you with me? A farmer would say that he wants to supply bread to every household in Midrand. In other words, he wants he want his harvest his crop, his corn, his flour that comes from his field to be in every household in Midran. That would be the vision of a farmer. And so the farmer meticulously nurtures each seed knowing that his diligent effort will lead to a bountiful harvest. And there's a purpose behind us sowing as well. When we give to the church and when the church decides to do whatever it needs to do with the money, you, 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 the, you, you need to sow with purpose. I don't just want you to give just because it's a tradition or because it, you are, you've been used to giving. And so now every, ma- every month and every Sunday, you give your tithe and offering just because. There needs to be a purpose behind your giving. No farmer in his right mind just throws the seed into the ground and say, let's see what happens. Even some some of you who have gardens at home, you don't just plant and then you leave it there and you say, God bless this seed that I've put into the ground in Jesus name. And you go to bed and you leave the ground waiting to see what will happen there. Um, no one does that. We, 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 uh, the farmer works his ground. He waters his seed so that his harvest can be guaranteed. I sometimes feel many times that, that Christians, whether they give money to the church or wherever they feel they are giving money or where, where they feel they must sow these days, they feel they just give the harvest and they say, Lord, bless this harvest, and they go home and watch TV. There's no work in the ground. There's no preparation. So to make sure that the seed will be successful, will bring forth a harvest. Because it can be that when a farmer puts seed into the ground, that he can have a misharvest. harvest. Because either there were not enough rains, or he didn't prepare the ground well enough. And so the farmer gets to a place where he actually goes and dirties his own hands and he starts working in his own field to make sure that whatever he has put into the ground, there he gets back maximal. The harvest, the, the chances of a misharvest is at the minimum because of all the trouble he has spent preparing the ground. And we sometimes make the mistake. We just sow. We do nothing. We wait for the harvest or the blessing of God because that is what what, what He had been promised. But we forget that there's a work that we have to do in order to make sure that our harvest comes back. Now that you have sowed, you have spent your financial resources even in the church. It is time also that you get your hands dirty in the work of the Lord in order to make sure that the seed that you've sown, whether it's in this ministry or whether it's someone else, comes back as a harvest. We cannot just as church members sit back and say, "Well, I've given my tithes and my offerings, now let me not get involved in any type of ministry wherever. The vision of this assembly is to plant a church in every household in Midrand. And how, we are, how are we going to do that? We are going to do that by equipping the believer to be a powerful witness in their communities. And so that means if, 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 if there's a call for people to join a home cell group, then we need to jump on it because we are getting our hands dirty. If there's a call for people to join a certain ministry, then we need to jump on it because we are getting, because this is a place where we are sowing our seed. If there's a call for people to, 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 to be at this conference or that conference, we need to jump on it. It means as farmers, as people who work in this acre of, of, of God's land, where God has assigned us, we need to get our hands dirty and get involved in making sure that the harvest that comes from this assembly is successful. Do you see that it's not just the pastor who plays a role in the growth of the local assembly. If you say that you are a member of this assembly, that means you are a member of this household. That means that whatever this household decides the direction they are going, you are saying because I'm a member, I will go along with the direction that the leadership of this household have decided. So if the leadership of the household says, all right, we're going to do home sales because we're going to use home sales to reach out to our local communities, to our neighborhoods, then we need to join a home cell because it's part of the vision of this assembly to plant a home in, uh, to plant a church in every home in your neighborhood. We want our bread, which is Jesus Christ, to be there because we want to have a harvest. Are you with me? We must recognize that our giving isn't just about contributing financially. It is about getting involved in the ministry of your local church. Our mission involves repairing the ground, pre-sowing by actively participating in the vineyard of God's work. Gone are the days that we only say we put things in the ground and we wait. We need to work the ground. We need to remove stones. We need to remove rocks. We need to put in fertilizer. We need to do all these things in order to make sure that our harvest will be successful. We sow with purpose, knowing that our efforts will yield a successful harvest that reaches every home in Midrand. Because we want to supply every home in Midrand with the bread of life, which is Jesus Christ. Hence why we need to get involved in the ministry. No longer can we just give our finances, but we need to get our hands dirty in the ministry of the Lord. Are you with me? Time of sowing is gone. Look at another person. Even Jesus sowed himself. John chapter 12 verse, 20 to, uh, verse 12, verse 24, he says, Jesus is talking, he says, Let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of, of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies. Because then it sprouts and produces a harvest of wheat, all because of one grain that had died. In this verse, Jesus uses the analogy of a grain of wheat to explain the concept of his sacrificial death and his resurrection. Just as a seed must be planted and die to produce a harvest, Jesus foreshadowed his own death and resurrection resulting in a spiritual harvest that his sacrificing would bring This metaphor beautifully captures the transformative power of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, which leads to new life and spiritual growth for all that is now in Him. Jesus didn't say to the Father, Yeah, I agreed with you. Someone needs to die for these people for their sins. You know, I can help you plan and strategize how we're going to do this. Jesus didn't do that He's the example of a farmer That got his hands dirty He went to go lay down Himself and if we are Christ's disciples And if we are in Christ Then we need to bury ourselves As well as a seed and die So that through our lives In our communities Can be a harvest of souls Being saved Are you with me? Jesus got involved himself. He didn't just sow seed. He didn't just preach and say, no, we need to sow to bring back our harvest. He got involved. He sowed himself. The only way the born again believer can sow themselves successfully is to die themselves as well. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you have to take up your cross, crucify yourself, uh, deny yourself, and then you can follow me. And perhaps the reason why the church is not as, uh, and I'm talking about the broad church, I'm not talking about our local church. And perhaps the reason why the local church is not fruitful in the harvest of seeing many people saved because of the church in that community. is because we're in a church that refuses to die, to deny themselves so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can be resurrected through the church. Perhaps that might be the reason. But we need to get to a place in our lives where we deny ourselves so that the harvest of the gospel of Jesus Christ can bring forth more people that is saved. That's why we follow Jesus' example, even through the grave. That's why we get baptized in a water grave, because it's a symbol of, of, of what we show externally, what happened internally. In other words, when I go down in the water grave, it's me going down into the grave and resurrecting. It's now Christ standing up in me. I don't exist anymore. The life I now live, I live through faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said. And that's the only we can have the best programs. We can have the best budgets. We can have money that we can we can be printing money. And we can have no shortage of people. But if the church has not yet denied itself, then all these things will be useless in God's hands. Jesus sowed himself with purpose. That the harvest can be successful. Now he's calling the same for his church. He says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. If you sow yourself sparingly, there will be a sparing harvest through your life. Then he continues, he says, And whoever sows generously, and I'm not talking about just money. Whoever sows generously Will also reap generously If you give your life generously to the Lord There will be a generous harvest Upon your life Hallelujah When we have a Christ-centered perspective of, on giving Brings me to my second point We also give joyfully In other words he says in verse 7 Each of you should give What you have decided in your heart Not reluctantly Or under compulsion For God loves a cheerful giver Paul's exhortation to give cheerfully Is deeply connected To our vision of empowering believers Or or our mission to become to, To empowering believers To become powerful witnesses In their communities A powerful witness is a giver (laughs) A powerful witness Doesn't keep things to themselves Is a giver Just as Jesus The most powerful witness of, 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 of us all That will always be in history He gave himself for all of us Our giving should be characterized And he did it joyfully Our giving should be characterized in the same way Jesus' giving is characterized. With joy, we need to be able to lay our lives down and say, Lord, do with my life what you want. not driven under compulsion or obligation. Lord, I'm laying it down willingly so that my community can be saved. Lord, I'm laying it down willingly so that my neighbors can be saved. Lord, I'm laying down my agenda and my life willingly so that people at my workplace can be saved, so that people at my school can be saved, so that people at my university can be saved. Because as a reminder, the only that we can take to heaven with us is souls that saved. Jesus didn't just call the evangelists, those who operate in the office of evangelists to go and bring in the myth. as soon as we become a disciple of God, he says now go and preach the gospel baptizing them, teaching them everything that I've told you. He says that to everyone who is a disciple and the only way you can do that is through death of self. I'm not saying go and leave your work, Leave your business, leave whatever you do and, 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 and go into full-time ministry or however. Do whatever you can find your hands to be busy with when it comes to the things of God. Whether it's at work, at business, wherever it is, do it. Whatever the Holy Spirit is prompting you, whether it's at work, at business, at school, at home, whatever. Be obedient because there will be a harvest coming your way. Hallelujah. We are not just giving money. We are expressing our response to God's grace. Giving is also sacrificial. In other words, it costs us something. When we give, whether it's through money, whether it's we laying down our lives, it has to, in order for it to be impactful, it needs to cost us something. It comes at a price. It costs Jesus his life. Now, in turn, Jesus is asking you to give your life. He says, Whoever tries to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Because our life is now not anymore this life. We live through Jesus Christ. So my life is in Christ Jesus now. No one else. Then he continues, he says, He says, Each one of you should give. Again. He doesn't just call the pastor or the church board or the worship leader or the deacons or the elders in the church to give. He says, each one of you, every Christian, because you are a witness, it makes you a giver. (laughs) Because of small resources, some perhaps cannot give much, but it is still important that you give. And that you give with the right kind of heart God didn't say Yeah you know what you're excused Because you don't have resources Because remember He supplies seed To the sower So if you are really A good steward Of what God has given you will realize And you will see that there's some seed That's going to cost you That you need to sow There's some time uh, And I'm talking about chronological time In your life that you need to sow in the church so that you can serve so that whatever you've put in uh, you can guarantee you are involved in bringing the harvest now you won't be at a place where you say ah this pastor just wastes our money you won't be at a place where you say ah this church board they don't know what they are doing with the money they don't do this now that you are involved because you've sowed you will understand why sometimes the church board has to make unpopular decisions especially when it comes to money because you are involved in the sowing in the working in the in the the working of the soul so that a harvest can be brought forth you understand things happening there because you are involved in the life of the church he says each one should give now, no, no, no. many people can say, but, but but I can't even afford a tithe because, because I, 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 I've got debts and all these things that I have to service, etc. And it's fine, then give a tithe of a tithe. And if you can't afford a tithe of a tithe, give a tithe of a tithe of a tithe. And if you can't afford a tithe of a tithe of a tithe, give a tithe of a tithe of a tithe of a tithe of a tithe. But give something so that God can bless you because He provides seed to the sower, there's seed You know the problem sometimes Is we take what was supposed to go into the ground And we eat it And now it only feeds us for one night And we don't understand Why is there no harvest On what we've put into the ground It's because we've must use The seed that God has given us Don't eat your seed then It'll take a bit longer Ask those guys who's busy with in, who invests their money don't get a month later return they wait long sometimes 20 years 10 years 5 years for a harvest to come back of what they've put it put into the ground 10 years ago and in the same way sometimes it works like that in the spiritual realm we put something down we are involved we, we, we get angry at God, but we are still working in the acre of God because we are looking forward to the promise of a harvest because now I've planted myself. I've given myself. So God, now you will bring forth a harvest. Our church's mission extends to each individual emphasizing the importance of a cheerful heart behind giving. The amount matters less then they're giving i was speaking to someone last week i can say this the person is not in church and they were saying to me no when god blesses me uh, uh, i'm going to bless the church i'm going to give i said no keep your money because if that's your intention of wanting to give money to the church don't give money at all we we don't bless the church because god god has blessed us we want to be cheerful givers we give with a purpose in this church. We get involved in the works of the church, in the ministry of the church, hence to make sure that whatever, that whenever that harvest comes up, it's a successful harvest, not because we want to be blessed and then we want to be blessed more and we give bigger, bigger amounts of money and one year God decides to test your heart and not give you anything back and then you are angry at God. But God, I sowed. God, I did this, I did that. Because dead people don't complain. Dead people say, but God, I did this, I did that. They don't say these things to God. They say, whatever your will is, Lord. Jesus said, it's a bitter cup. Let it pass, but not my will, but your will be done. Let's follow Jesus' example. He then continues to say, he says, as he purposes in his heart, giving should be motivated by the purposes of your own heart. In other words, do you want to see a church planted in every household in Midrand? if your answer is yes then give whether it's money whether it's your time whether it's other give so that we can plant a church in every household we are a missional church we are the apostolic faith mission not the apostolic faith monument in other words a monument stands still there's no movement in a monument a mission is a people on a mission. We are going somewhere. We are moving towards a goal. We are running somewhere. So we are the apostolic faith mission of, of Midrand Impact Christian Center. And so we are busy moving ahead and winning people for Christ. Hallelujah. Then he says, he continues, uh, he says, it should never be coerced or manipulated. Don't ever give to anyone if they make you feel bad about giving. Now, what the Spirit of God would do, he would convict you. Say, hey, you've been falling behind on your giving. Whether it's your time, whether it's money, whatever. You must come to the party, chief. But when there's condemnation, the devil condemns, the Holy Spirit convicts. Let me tell you, condemnation says, you stop giving, there's no hope. You are going to lose things, you're going to lose business because you stop giving. That's condemnation, it comes from the pit of hell the Holy Spirit convicts in other words said, no it's fine come we can fix things start today start now we can fix it in God there's always hope outside of God there's death there's no hope so it should never be coerced or manipulated give because we want to give because God has put it in our heart to give because we give out everything when it comes to the vision and the mission he continues he says don't give grudgingly or out of necessity god does not want our giving to be reluctant regretful i don't like this pastor but i'm going to give you giving has got nothing to do with me it's something between you and god so so sometimes when i make you angry because that's what happens in, in relationships people annoy each other don't stop giving because you are angry at me or someone on the church board because it's between you and God, you are hurting yourself. You are not hurting us, because we look to God just as all of us for His provision in our lives. Are you with me? So let's not give out of complaining or whatever, or, or, or but but of, or out of necessity. Um, in other words, giving because someone has made us or manipulated us into giving. The, the, this is more the spirit behind taxation, not a biblical giving spirit. A commentator called Clark said the following um, in something interesting. I want to say he says, The Jews in the temple had two chests for alms. The one was what was necessary, in example, what the law required. The other was of the free will offerings. To escape uh, eternal punishment, some would grudgingly give what necessary obliged them. Others would give cheerfully for the love of God and through pity to the poor. Of the first, nothing is said. They simply did what the law required. Of the second much it said, much is said, God loves them and they love God. Jesus continues with this. He says, for God loves a cheerful giver. Instead of giving in a grudging way or out of necessity, God wants us to give cheerfully. The ancient Greek word for cheerful is, is, you, you, you can translate it into hilarious. So you, in other words, God wants us to be hilarious givers hilarious givers some other uh, uh, commentator cruz said the following he says god is the ultimate cheerful giver it is not difficult to suggest why god delights in the cheerful giver he himself is such a giver and desires to see this characteristic restored amongst those who were created in his image If the spirit of God is really in us and His Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ really lives through us and we are at a place where we have denied ourselves and taken up our cross and following Jesus, then whenever God calls on us to give, we will do it hilariously. Because that same characteristic that's in God who is a hilarious giver, now resides in me and so we give with gladness whatever needs to go to the Lord I'd lay my life down gladly because it belongs to the Lord in the first place hallelujah it never belonged to me it now belongs to Jesus Christ I live now through Christ the Son of God hallelujah who had died and had rose with me and I've died with him hallelujah hilarious giving now Third and final point. When, when, when we have a Christ-centered perspective giving, is this, that, that now God starts promising abundance and, and, and there's, a, there's a key to understanding the abundance of God. And I will go through this with you. He says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. You see the abundance is coming now through Now, many times in church, we've been taught that to give, then God would bless you, uh, you know, with everything and and materially and all these things. But there's a way in understanding this passage so that you don't misunderstand and and, 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 and these blessings don't come and you are angry at God. Say, ah, no, let me go to Mtangati because they, they, they can make things happen better. They are more blessed than God. These guys say these funny things now. now. Now, Paul's assurance of God's ability to bless us abundantly resonates with our vision of equipping every believer to be a powerful witness. Just as God promises to bless us with all sufficiency and contentment, our mission involves blessing others through our abundance. In other words, we are blessed to be a blessing to others. Are you with me? God is able to make all grace abound to you. I've never read of seen a person who when they give becomes poor. Whether it's physically or whether it's spiritually. As we give we must know that God is able. God is able. Not the prophet. Not the pastor. Not the apostle. Not the bishop. God is able to. To reward our giving so we don't look to man to say but where is my harvest we look to God for the harvest of what we've put into the ground God is able to make all grace abound to you as we give we must know that God is able to reward just as God is able to make the sowing of seed abound to a great harvest So God is able to bless our giving. At the end of the day, when we put something into the ground, it is God that brings forth the harvest. We can work as hard as we want. We can put as much water as we want. We can put as much fertilizer as we want. But at the end of the day, in order for this harvest to be successful, I need to look to the Lord as He is the King and the God of the harvest. Hallelujah. Jesus thought that even the, the, the smallest gift with the right heart would not go without a reward. He says, and whoever gives one of these little ones in Matthew chapter 10, 42, whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say he shall by no means lose his reward. By no means. Now, he it does not define whether you we are going to be rewarded on earth or whether we are going to be rewarded on heaven. Remember, God is in charge of the harvest. He does not define that here. So I can't say you will have a nice car <laughs> if you give. I can't say your bank, your ATM bank, would always be full. Because I'd be preaching heresy because it's in contradiction of what the word of God says. And so you need to go and go figure out with him what is the harvest that comes his way. It can be material. It can be spiritual In rewarding our giving He says God does it with all grace His grace is made sufficient Our giving is rewarded in many different ways Materially and spiritually Materially God blesses us By by perhaps giving us promotions A better pay Unexpected gifts of money Or by making things last So that we don't have to suffer the loss Of replacing these things You know that old car you've been driving with And it can't break god that old fridge that stands in your house that never breaks it's moved with you from wherever you come from to here god keeps that thing <laughs> there's you know that old tv you have in your house the the, the the tube that is still playing nice it's not working the load shedding breaks everything else but that thing stands it's god That old car you've been driving That's light on fuel It seems like it drives on fumes It's God Now you want to go bother and upgrade the thing And then now fuel is expensive for you It's God looking at all these things God blesses us Another way spiritually How God blesses us Through our giving By by freeing our hearts From the tyranny of greed and materialism by giving us a sense of blessing and happiness, or by storing up a rich reward in heaven, there is no end to the ways we can be blessed when God is able to make all grace abound to us. There's no way. Then then we get to a place, when God starts blessing us in that level, then we get to a place where we always have all sufficiency in all things. The ancient, the ancient Greek word for all sufficiency can be translated in contentment now God gives us contentment for our circumstances now I'm not saying you shouldn't desire to be the best at what you do in your industry to dominate your industry I, and as a matter of fact I want to encourage Christians to dominate their industries to do the best where they can now now, when we talk about contentment we look at 1 timothy chapter 6 verse 6 he says now godliness with contentment is great gain do you see this harvest god gives a special gift to the giving heart and there is contentment in all things so you get to a place where you are not angry at god when certain things didn't work out anymore you said lord it's your will lord it's your will i'm happy I'm content. I'm happy. Now, materially speaking, how can someone always have contentment by all things? We receive this contentment from God because He blesses our giving hearts, He blesses our giving selves. So we become content. It's an attribute of the Holy Spirit to be content. <coughs> when we live and act without contentment, we are trying to fill needs in our lives. It might be the need to be somebody. It might be the need to feel like somebody, to feel secure, to feel cared for, or the need to have excitement and newness in our lives. Most people try to fulfill these needs with material things, but they can only really be met through a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's the only way to close this void that we are trying to close with materialism many times. Barclay another commentator says by uh, by the word um, uh, contentment he says by it they meant a complete self-sufficiency they meant a frame of mind which was completely independent of all outward things um, and which carried the secret of happiness within itself contentment never comes from the possession of external things it only comes from the possession of Christ God blesses us materially and spiritually so that we will have an abundance for every good work. Do you see where health, where wealth needs to go now? So that we can have an abundance for every good work. That's the purpose of wealth according to the Bible. Now I'm talking about material wealth. We are blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. God wants us to be channels of blessing, not reservoirs of blessing. It needs to flow. Money is a currency. It's a current. It flows. It cannot stay. When water stays in a reservoir, it becomes bad. And mosquitoes and flies and frogs start infesting these waters. But when it flows, you never see this in a river. There is high-flowing That these things get a chance to to, to, to Live and populate there because there's no time The currency is moving That's why we are blessed You would have heard And I want to conclude with this You would have heard that throughout the sermon I mentioned that our giving is not confined To financial resources alone It extends to our time Our talents and our efforts As we experience God's abundance Our church's mission thrives In this community Allowing us to impact our communities and homes in Midrand. Our actions reflect the promise of abundant blessing that enables us to abound in every good work. Thereby embodying, embodying God's love and righteousness in this world. The world will know us by our giving. In conclusion, Impact Family, the profound message of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 8 resonates deeply with the mission and the vision of this assembly. Let us be inspired by purposeful sowing, cheerful giving, and God's promise of abundance. Our generosity isn't just about financial contributions, it's about actively participating in God's work through the vision of this assembly. If you are here, if you are part of this assembly, that's by actively. Now as we align ourselves with these principles, we not only contribute to our church's growth, but also fulfill our mission, our vision of planting the gospel in every household in Madrid. Just as Christ gave his all for us, let us joyfully give our all for his kingdom. Becoming channels of his grace and love in the process.